Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Rock Paper Bitcoin Podcast. It is me, Business Cat. We missed you. Welcome back. It's great to have you back here. In this episode, Fundamentals and I, so last time we talked about COVID, buckle up. We're going to talk about COVID some more. But we start by, I tell a bit of the story of my son showing up, the business kitten, Mr. Harrison. He's here. He's amazing. We talk about a few mental daemon processes that we have running in the backs of our minds. Fundamentals talked about a conversation he had with a few of his family members. And we end by talking about fish and Harry Hood. If you like our content and would like to support the show, listen to it using any podcasting 2.0 enabled app and stream us apps while you listen. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can slice off a bit of that hash power and point it to us using any Lincoin stratum address. Use our show's username, Rock Paper Bitcoin. I will put the connection details in the show notes. Finally, dear listener, thank you for listening. It means a lot to us. Let's get into it. Hello out there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, oh, my God. Right? Some, some days or weeks, some weeks or months... Some yeah, what's the, what's the saying? It's like some some years Sometimes happen in weeks, and some weeks happen in years. Yeah, so I have to like I I gotta say some stuff right now, like because well, the last week at this time, you know, for the last couple of weeks, business cat, my partner here, has been expecting a baby, and I think we joked last time that like if he comes out right at the right moment, you know, we might actually be able to come back next week. And not have we? Be, I mean, he basically said, "Expect a break," right? And um, you know, here we are I do back wanna, again. We are back again. The baby has come. Okay, so we have now welcomed this baby into the world. Um, we've welcomed Harry. It's okay if I could say his name. I hope totally. Um, Harry Hood for fish fans. Um, get into that maybe one other day, but. Um, you know, I, here's what I really want to say. I, other than, you know, outside of the normal, dude, just congratulations. Thank and, you. like, who you are as a man is, um, you know, I'm so excited to see you grow and build, you know, with your new son. And I really want to hear, event, I want to hear in the next couple of minutes, like, really what, kind of what you're reflecting on. I just want to say one thing, which is, I want to say something about the integrity of this podcast and the structure that I think, like the structure that this podcast is for you, your family, for myself. And I'm going to say one thing about it because we've discussed this in the past. Um, If we were sitting around last week and we knew you were going to have the baby exactly on time and we knew everything was going to go well, right? I think if you asked me, when would we come back, right? When would we come back? I think I would answer, would, would, you know, would we be off? Would we show up exactly on Saturday morning or would we be off by, I, you know, I would have said maybe weeks, like it would be measured in weeks, okay? And um, the answer is it was not weeks and it was not days. It was literally seconds. I mean, like, dude, you came on at 8 the fuck a.m., Okay, eight o'clock the fuck a.m. Seriously, right? And so this is the second time, dude. I'm like, look at the clock, and I can't fucking believe, like how, like I can't believe what a solid fucking structure that of of integrity this podcast has. 
ev- as evidenced just by the fact that I we are we both show up regardless of what's going on, and I'm not equating you and I. Like I had no expectation. It was so tickling to me because I had zero expectation that we'd be here right now. So I'm like truly present to like the gift of life and the beauty of what we have and what we've built. And with that, I would like to ask you, like, dude, what has your week been like? And dude, yeah. you know, yeah. let's get into it. It's been an interesting week. So yeah, so one week ago, I I was only a father of one, and now I'm a father of two. So my daughter is she she was a like she I have nothing to compare my daughter to her birth her like infancy um, because obviously she's my first but she was she seemed pretty easy it wasn't like wasn't too difficult with her like she she would sleep and like if, if she was fussing there was a reason for it and so like I was expecting oh next kid can't be as easy as first kid and second kid Harry I mean so far like first night was pretty rough but he's it's I, I once again like I'm flabbergasted by how awesome little children are, but yeah. So like, this time last week, we were you know, recording recording 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, and then Sunday morning at it wasn't what it was like two in the morning. It was like my, my wife woke me up and was like, "Hey, hey, things are happening. We we need we need to start thinking about this." And I went into full overtime gear like right away. Like, all right, let's do this. I ran downstairs. I started throwing things in bags. It's like it was like yeah, pedal to the metal. My brain, yeah. all the adrenaline got dumped into my system. And then pretty quickly, I was like, okay, well, I, I can I can slow down. We're not going to the hospital just yet, um, because she she <laughs> we should have gone to the hospital sooner sooner than we did. Like the first kid in general comes quicker than the uh, or the second kid comes quicker than the first kid. The first kid, my wife was in labor for about twelve hours, and this one, I don't. It was three in the morning when she woke me up. Two thirty when she woke me up, and my son was born at five thirty. We got to the hospital at about quarter till five. So that we, we heard the we heard the hospital staff uh, talking about us kind of like out of where they thought we were out of earshot and they, they were referring to us as a stop and drop. So we, we got in there. <laughs> we, they didn't even know we were coming. So like we, we my, my wife texted or she called the uh, number that the uh, midwives had given her to like, hey, whenever like things are happening, call this number. And she called the number, talked to the person on staff. They, they texted the doctor and then we never heard back from them. So. We just went to the hospital, and eventually when she was like, it's time, we're going to the hospital, we went to the hospital, and it was, we had to take multiple breaks in the hallway on the way to the delivery room so my wife could get down on the floor on all fours and just breathe through the, uh, the experience. But, yeah, it was, so it was, it was nice because you know, go, going to the hospital and just sit, sitting around and laboring in the hospital for 12 hours, it's an experience, but, I mean, if you can just skip through that and have it in, like, a two-hour time, or even better, in, like, a 30-minute time, like yeah, then the kid you get to the hospital, the kid shows up, and then you're just there for the recovery. So it was a it was a great, great experience for the second kid. No no complications, nothing too nothing too scary. And he's that's yeah. cool. My observation is just that like we definitely talked about just the general danger of going to a hospital, mm-hmm. and like once you're there, you are vulnerable to um, you know you don't know what they are going to. <laughs> What they're going to try to do, but any almost anything they try to do willfully has a is going to have a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, iatrogenic, just iatrogenic risk, right? And it's almost like the way what you're describing is they just pegged you guys right away as sovereign people who don't need them, and they backed off and they just kind of let you come in, That's do your thing, and go. Pretty largely what happened, yeah. <laughs> and like even after the. Once we were in the hotel, like the hotel room, the 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 uh, recovery room, is, I mean, 
they would come in and they all of the nurses and all the staff yeah very rapidly were like okay these people are fine and they're like do you need anything He's like no we want to go home so they just they tried to get us home as quickly as possible and we were out the door in about 24 hours it's crazy. It was, and I, that also speaks to, that's just a demonstration also, I believe, of integrity with you guys. Whereas, like, your frame, your structure, they just kind of like, I'm not, we're not fucking with that. Let's just let these guys come in and out and go back to doing whatever else we're doing, right? Yeah. It's like moments of, like, when, when they ask, oh, do, oh, do you want this thing? Like, do, do you want the baby circumcised? And it's like, okay, no. Um, it's, they, they didn't press on anything. It was, it, it could have been a, much different experience, but yeah, I mean, they, as they asked questions and we were just, and we laid out our desires for it. I mean, yeah, they they were very. It was it was a good experience. It was like a, like the Fiat hospital birth experience. I it, like people poo poo on, but the the place around near us, they, they did a pretty good job. It's a pretty rural area, so I mean, I guess they're used to the kind of mindsets out here. It's just a good thing nobody had any symptoms of COVID. True. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what I hear, things are coming back. It's like we squeaked in and out. Like yeah. there was no mask mandate. There was nothing. We did this last week. I don't want to get into it again. Let's. <laughs> yeah. No. Since then, I mean, just a side note there. Like since yeah. then, I, I went to the farmers market this week and saw people at an outdoor farmers market wearing masks. So I mean, it's like I, I yeah. don't know if these people have been wearing masks the whole time, or if they're just watching it. But yeah. The, oh. I'm starting to see more so masks. I had one. I only like. I'm glad we did the episode last week, and I surprisingly didn't hear any pushback. I was kind of well, actually looks a little disappointed. That nobody's really like taking us to task on any anything we said. Um, I I only want to revisit it for one thing, so I'm going to make a mental note. But before I do that, business guy, can you um, you know tell us and tell the listeners what your hopes and aspirations are for this child? So this little dude, uh, I'm imagining Kyle Reese, I mean, like grow, growing up after the Terminators have taken over. It's like I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna have to learn how to shoot. You're gonna have to learn how to weld. Uh, you're gonna have to learn how to forage for food, how to find clean water. All all of these things that, I mean, I guess people don't really take into account as being. I mean, some people take into account. Like these are these are useful things to know. Um, these are things that my son is going to learn rapidly. And it's like viewing the world that I see coming. Like I I see a need. For like open carry to return, it's like I mean, like getting getting used to things that people are not used to now is like the kind of vision that I have from for my son. I don't know, I have a kind of different vision for my daughter and my son. For the like, I'm I'm going to offer them the same types of skills. I mean, like my my daughter is going to learn to shoot as well, but I mean, hopefully she can marry well enough that she can have a man who can shoot for her. That she doesn't have to. I mean, like, she needs to be able to defend herself, but. I mean, the the first line of a defense is the family. It should not be the women on the front lines. One of my uh, getting into a kind of topical and political here, but yeah, the the direction of the United States military right now is speaking as a veteran. Uh, I have some major problems with the direction of the military in this country, and it's like okay, I'm not go- it's like, the the military in this country depends on military members getting their kids, raising them in a way that they're going to join the military, and that's not my intention it's like my, my, my little kyle reese is not going to be uh marching in to the to the state tune and being paid by the state for what he's doing he's going to learn to put steel on target uh because that's that's the correct place for the steel to go not because he's being paid for it got it got it thank you so just kind of side note um my episode with high hash rate dropped last week and 
according to those guys, you are the outspoken political one on this show, <laughs> and I am the more cooperative one. They just mentioned that, like, as a matter of fact. I guess I'm and, further uh, out of the gate. I, I, you and I, can't, like, started from a very similar political perspective. I'm just, I think I'm further out from it than you at this point, and I'm willing to just... Plus, the, the, I don't have a day job, so I am I can say whatever the hell I want without the worry of anything ever getting back to any employer, which is, like, I'm sure that you're, you don't strike me as a person who is worried about saying things, but, like, that's got to be a daemon process yeah. that's always running in the back of your brain. Possibly. Like, I have an employer, and, like, I'm trying to pay for college for my offspring, like, all of these the Damon, things. Yeah. The yeah. daemon process is, again, I, I do think this comes down to, like, integrity and the structure of your life, and you're right. So to, to defend my fiat job, I have to always sort of be able to present myself. I have to have the ability to always present myself in a way that is not so alienating, right, mm-hmm. that... um you know, the lizards discover something, <laughs> right? Um, that, but, you know, every once in a like before we had this podcast, right? You guys, you remember when I sent that boost to Marty, to TFTC? T, um, and he, he read out and then put a disclaimer on it? He read it. it out and he goes, uh, yeah, I don't agree. I, I did, by the way, guys, I'm not, this is just a boost. It's not me. <laughs> so like, you know, my views, when I do express them, Maybe it's because it's like Bob Saget used to talk about, uh, you know, doing comedy while he was on Full House, and mm, you know, oh my people God. know he had the most vile, dirty yeah. comedy I've ever heard. Bob Saget. Yes, he, he's talked about how Full House just gave him Tourette's, like having to hold it down and play that character. You know, it just made him insane, and ha- you know, because he's genuinely just a filthy dude. R.I.P. Bob Saget. So anyway, um, that was beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, my hopes are very similar. And I, my, my hopes are just for what your hopes are, man. Like, I'm on your network effect with this child, and it's a beautiful thing. And We're all going in the same very direction. Excited. It's like the social layer of Bitcoin at, at some point is going to include, uh, uh, like, a, mili- a militia of some sort. It's like a decentralized yeah. militia. So I want to revisit one thing from last week's podcast. I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. I just want to talk about one thing that we, you asked, you did ask a question about, and I, if you, I've had a chance to think about it for a week. That's okay. really why I want to just come back and clarify. You asked why they might be bringing this back. And I spent 45 minutes discussing why I don't want to answer the question. And then, because I do think that question is typically, you know, a psyop anyway, right? However, I'd like to answer the question now i'd so like to tell you why do you think they're bringing covid back okay so for the, uh, so if everything we said holds that they're running it back the exact same way and don't give a shit about the economic don't get you know they're just going to do a repeat right well it, i had a i had a light bulb go off and it's the answer to the question why did they do this last time right and they did you know potentially they did it to print 7 trillion dollars I mean, I'm sure that was, I don't think, I can't imagine that was the main driving reason. Like the, but of course, yeah, money printing is always like a a benefit to them. Like any, on any emergency, they can print money. Nothing's the primary, nothing's ever the primary reason. Everything is pretty much opportunistic, right? Mm -hmm. But if they're always asking, like, so we all know that there was an economic crisis going in to COVID, 
right? We all know this. We all know that the repo market got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, credit ratings across the board would be for corporate for companies were being downgraded. So this is like in February, February twentieth of twenty twenty was the day the markets tanked. Okay. Um, I want to say March 16th was the day we went into lockdown, or it's either something like that. It was like the first or second week of March that we went into lockdown. But the markets started totally shitting themselves, and liquidity was getting sucked into the abyss. That that event in markets was February 20th. Um, you know, I know this because all of my charts that I look at in Bloomberg use February 20th as the start date because that's just something I like to track. Mm. Um, and it's also just a day in markets I'll never forget, right? It's one of those things. You, you know, you're in it every day, and it's just, you know, that, this is another one where years happen in a day. Nobody was talking. It's the People still weren't really talking about COVID on February 20th, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. The, you right. know, it's, I mean, the COVID wasn't, it was, I mean, there was kind of, there were a few podcasters that I was hearing talk about the the disease coming out of China. Um, but yeah, like the word COVID, I hadn't really heard floated around that much at that time, I don't think. I'd heard about it, and people had already called it a moral panic. And so all, I guess this is my only point, right? Once we were, we were in a financial crisis, we were in a liquidity crisis, right? It was immediately... It wasn't like, oh my God, we have a second to react. Let's invent this pandemic and execute it and get everyone coordinated. Of course, that couldn't have happened, right? But this was already being coordinated, and it was almost like, okay, let's use this. Yeah, we have all these, like the the twenty thirty <laughs> agenda and whatever that that right. that that um that let's project. try. They were doing a test. Of, I forget what it was called. There was a test of like uh like um how the world would react to uh, like a biological agent like that. That was, well, there have been many of these tests. Okay. Yeah. So they just the had, starting... they had it on the back burner. They could just move it to the front burner and be like, hey, guess what? We're going to use this and we're going to print a bunch of money. If you want to really read about, this is to the listeners, if you want to read about all of the tests, all of the prep and all of the decades that they have been prepping for this, which, you know, up to and leading to 2019, um, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy is um, an excellent, it's like an excellent resource to read Fauci about all Fauci that. Fauci is the personification of Satan in our dimension. I mean, he what he did to puppies cutting their cutting their yeah. vocal cords so they can't, couldn't cry while he ate their faces off with sand fleas. Like, it's demonic yeah. nightmare shit. And I don't, again, I don't want this one to be the COVID episode, but um, I no, wanted we'll just, to... We'll ans- just continue on the conversation yeah. from last episode. Right, I so- wanted to answer this question because... Right. I just wanted to answer this question because now it's the only answer that makes sense. They need to print money. Is that that's why they're rolling it out? No, this is the only real good answer for like, you know, um, last night I listened to about two thirds of Jimmy Song. Jimmy Song has uh, it's been about a year since he put a podcast out and he put one out with uh, Parker Lewis and Turd to Mister. Oh, beautiful. And, um, you know, Parker... Lewis, in some ways, he and I are, I feel like, on a similar chemical. We have similar chemical makeups in our brains or something like that. Because I could, fa- like, he'll go deep and deep and deep. And he'll he'll go through a very laborious explanation. And his expertise really is in, um, 
wind like you know winding down QE and then like what happens to the system. He's one of the few like there's a lot of macro think boys in the world, but he's I believe him to be like a macroeconomic expert. I would agree. Is is that what they were talking about? This was and them talking about ma- the current macro situation. They were or? talking about macro, where you know Jimmy was like really playing the lay guy, lay person, and say okay. explain this all to me, right? And but like it's it kind of clicked with me there too. Like you know Parker went into great detail about what was going on, not just in credit markets, but in the oil markets prior to really in, before we really knew a COVID was a thing, right? So basically, if we just put ourselves in the situate in our seats now and say why why might there be some lockdown and it may not be a total run back of what it was right but why might why are they destroying demand why are they really trying like what do they really want right and it just may be like you know they know the only real the only real solution to what to the bind that central planners are in right now is uh you know we all know, all like as you know, Foss and all these guys start screaming. There's only one solution: all roads lead to Bitcoin. Blah, all roads lead to money printing. We're in a debt spiral. Blah blah blah. But like, they, the playbook is to create a crisis, and then print the money. Yeah, I'm, I mean, so right. like, the, I don't think they need to bring COVID back to print more money, though. Like, uh, they have got world, they've got well, World War Three to print money for. Like, I they've got, got they've got so many ways to print but, money. Yeah, but my retort to you on that is what I spent an hour telling you last week, which is that I don't think they need to. Pr- I don't think they need to create a crisis to rig the election either, right? But maybe to do right, maybe to True. do both. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. Like my, the cynical side of me, like just think. Okay, the, the reason that COVID is back is because that the pharmaceutical people that are telling Biden what to do are like, oh, we need another payday. Like we like they have. I believe that they, Biden has already talked about that they're go, the feds are going to give the pharma, pharmaceutical companies more money to make a new a new jab. It's like so yeah, like, it's that tells fucked. me that it's not out already. Well, they're, they're working on it now, and it's going to be out this month. And okay, so so why? Okay, well, well they want to get paid. They want to get. They want to get. They want to have the White House roll out the like we need everybody to get to get vaccinated again just so we can get paid like it it's, it comes down to money like so you, i mean what do you think that so again we have a lot of, if we go over an hour today i'm totally fine with it by the way i don't know about you okay but like um you think it's like the pharmaceutical industry just like mafia dons like calling their debt like dude like we have more to suck out of you before you guys get voted out potentially this fall and we just want to extract that seems like will- a reasonable possibility i mean they're they're losing the military like they they had that guaranteed sale on like getting all of the military vaccinated and now like the mil- the military numbers are some of like the strongest numbers i've seen for why we shouldn't be vaccinating everybody like the military in general is like these are the healthiest people among us because we pay them to stay mm-hmm. healthy so they can fight for us and covid is a disease of the, the already sick and the elderly. Like it's it's at, you're at risk if you have comorbid comorbid factors. Comorbid, asterix. Morbidity. Yeah. Asterix. The thing they told us that was COVID. They also told us was really only risky to the elderly. Yeah, and so we like, have to rewind and say right. I like so like I can. Sorry, I can't accept the the statements that COVID is a fact. And that it did it did what they said it did, right? But I understand that that's what we're meant to think. Yeah, I mean, so it's under a, under well, that premise, 
it doesn't make sense to vaccinate the military or kids or any of that shit under yeah, that like premise. If, if the premise right. was to defend the nation, okay, well, we wouldn't be exposing our military forces to this un- right. unnecessary threat vector. But like, but we are. Or potential, or the potential military, which is the kids that yeah, are right. being, you know, like I can tell you, as a parent of high school kids and not having vaccinated my children, they made life unbearable like if they wanted like my kids will both play sports and like you had to like you know get them tested and dude it's it's like so what dude the test itself to me is not is not necessarily is a potential threat vector it's a potential attack vector those those tests themselves mm. which we didn't get into this and i can do an episode on this but and we should actually we should do an episode on pcr tests and why they're worthless mm-hmm. and the reason we don't have to do that today but I'm just gonna give drop a nugget. Is that the reason why we should discuss this? Is because it's this. It's it'll help think about like this idea of chain analysis is very similar, and um, it's the same bunk shit where there's actually no purified sample. We talked about that last week. There's no purified sample. So what the fuck is the test actually doing? Yeah, and the conspiracy and, theory side of me is like, okay, so for how many people that avoided the shots? did take a PCR, like stuck a, stuck a swab up their nose to get tested. It's like, if I was a yeah. malicious entity out there, like that, that is a way that yeah. you could capture people that are otherwise you're not capturing. Stick something on that swab that they, they think it's a sterile swab when it's not. That's but right. Yeah, there's lots of possibilities. I mean, it's not like a stretch. This isn't like, no. you know, twiddling your mustache. This is simple. Like if you're mistrustful that NVK has back doors in the cold card, then I mean, that's like... This is way more reasonable, right? I mean, it's, it, we, we must consider... It, it's difficult now to to not consider attack vectors whenever we've seen them That's be right. exploited over and over and over again. The win-loss record of those who look at attack vectors is higher than the win-loss record of the people who trusted everything. And so, you know. Um, but so... They required these fucking PCR tests, which immediately I viewed adversarially and, you know, I like almost anyone. So I have a personal record of anyone who required me to take a PCR test and they have pretty much written them out of my life. Um, I don't forgive them for requiring that. Um, like institutions that I was part of and members mm. of. So like one of the, like, I don't, you go to my synagogue anymore. And, and part of it was like my daughter's bat mitzvah was literally December of 2021. And because they were unvaccinated that I needed to, we, they needed to show like a negative test for them to be allowed to even do it live. And I did it at the time. And honestly, I, I will, this is another thing I can get into, but um, I'll never have a relationship with any i'll have never have a relationship with any of those people again covid made all of us do things that i think that we regret and like and do do things that we were unprepared for and had we had time to think about them ahead of time we wouldn't have done but it's like all of us had rabies and they were going to attack like you know yeah it's just validated the idea that there was something dangerous it's difficult to go back to see somebody who did something like that and to see them like like oh you are a secret you're a a secret authoritarian you're a secret statist you're a secret person who yeah. thinks that oh, what they have to say is has ultimate authority over everyone else around them it's like okay well i'm not going i yeah it's smart of you to write write that stuff down to remember that one episode is, isn't gonna cut it there's too much more there's too much well uh, there's too much to say 
if but I wanted I mean, to really, yeah. Our like podcast really, is really like yeah. kind of a topical podcast. We just chat about what's <laughs> ever on our minds. And I mean, obviously Bitcoin, Bitcoin comes up a lot because we're both Bitcoiners. But I mean, we don't go into this like, oh, well, we're going to, these are the things we're going to discuss. Like we have some ideas and then we just let the conversation go where it is. So inevitably, if you and right. I are going to keep talking as time goes on, like we're going to keep talking about this because it's going to keep, it, it seems to be a psyop that they're going to attempt to roll out again on us. So like we're going to have to live through it. So how do you, how do you see through a psyop? Talk about it. Like how, how do you, right. how do you get how do you how do you get a, a nice clean room while you open all the windows, let the air in, and uh, it's it's not like covering yourself up and, and hiding in, in in your room in your home like we did last time. Like no, we learned the lessons there, and that is the incorrect approach. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so having said all that, how do you want to go now? Let me uh, tell you. So let me let's shift <laughs> gears dramatically and. I mean, you, you told me a little bit about your week. You, you, so you had some interesting, fun conversations immediately on the uh, heels of last week's recording. Oh my God, that's right. So okay, so we were gonna like yeah. Let's, so, let's, let's so chat did... about our week briefly. I'll, I'll, I'll lead into so, so yeah. We my my week was the, the Sunday through Monday, Tuesday was like all the calendar was up out the window because you know we were doing newborn stuff, but uh, middle of the week. So we're home now from the hospital. We had a, uh, my, my wife was upstairs showering and I'm hanging out downstairs in the living room with, with kids and there was a doorbell rings. So I went outside and was like, oh, oh, hello there. Yeah, it, was, it was a nice, very, very nice, polite old lady who was uh, a Jehovah's Witness and was try, was coming around to share the good news of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So she she asked, she led off with, with a uh, leading question. Oh, like, how, do, do you know who, who's, caught, who's to blame for all of the, all of the, anger and, and sin in the world right now. it's like oh yeah it's satan which kind of took her back because like i i knew where she was going to go with all these things and so as she was uh reading me her bible verses i was like oh yeah so so what's your solution you know, so we should be building a, a, a community of christ-like people who are following in christ's footsteps it's like have you heard of bitcoin like how are you going to build that community it's like oh you want to you want to move out of the state and move into a post-state world that the bible talks about the book of revelations talks about let's talk about how we can do that nuts and bolts type of thing so <laughs> i started orange pilling her on bitcoin as she was trying to uh jehovah's witness pill me on hers and then so she she was kind of <laughs> resistant but she i mean she was a very nice lady she eventually she 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 asked hey can i come back sometime and we'll chat and i was like yeah totally we're, we're not we're, we'll be here for like my wife's on maternity leave we're not going anywhere we'll, we'll be around come on back and we'll talk and so she went back out to her car and which was filled with another, another couple of folks who were in there doing their little uh uh I guess it's required as part of their faith. They have to go out and talk to others about it, which is polite. I mean, if, if you think you have the answer, like the polite thing to do is tell the answers to others. Us as Bitcoiners know that. Hey, was there a, I'm trying to remember, was there a Jehovah's Witness character, not main character, obviously, but side character in the Mandibles? Was there like a time where they had Jehovah's Witness? I feel like there was, and I'm trying to, you know, I can't Maybe really there remember is. everything. No, I'm, I'm questioning myself that I know the book. Well, I, I'm, nothing's coming immediately to my brain. It's going to be interesting. Speaking of Jehovah's, like so, these various religious groups around the United States, like the the Amish, the Mennonites, all all of these people who have like they have taken they, they've had the foresight to build something beside the state. So when the state falls down, they have something to fall back on. And I mean, from their perspective, they're doing it from because this is what god calls us to do like don't depend on the state depend on your, yourself and your neighbors so they're they're not approaching it from like a the 
perspective of, oh, like, I see the state's money failing. They're approaching it from the, like, oh, well, God commands me to do this, so I'm going to do it. But, like, these people, there's these big communities. I guess, you, I mean, like, the Jewish community as well. I mean, you, you could, you've talked about that before. Like, these are huge communities that are just, like, they don't realize how much they've been captured by fiat. Like, my, my, growing up, my, my parents raised me in, in the Protestant church, and I had major problems with it. And when I got into my young adulthood, I, I stepped heavily into atheism. It's like, this is all bullcrap. And then later, enter Bitcoin. I feel like the problem I have with those institutions is not that I know everything and have all the answers. It's that I can smell bullcrap. And fiat has invaded the church in a really, really unfortunate way. And I think that's... A, a lot of the world's problems with faith comes it boils down to oh yeah fiat's in there and fiat has ruined it. But anyway, like I, I don't want to go down. I, I want to hear about your week. <laughs> let's let's keep talking about weeks. Yeah, I mean we've covered it. Like also like corruption, it can be corrupted because you can't like without a blockchain. If yeah, if you're using a physical their problem, money, it's corruptible. What, but even if, like the point was throughout the last whatever two thousand years, the road was all the roads were going to lead to that corruption because there's no physical problem constantly being solved to verify the existence of this. And it's no different from like, if you run a business selling probiotics, like, you know, it may be the, it may be the greatest thing. It may prevent like all sort of colitis in somebody, but the reality is it's still going to be corrupted eventually, no matter how well intentioned, no matter how, how well it works, it's going to get corrupted because you can't, see what you can't see what it actually does and you can't you know so they'll always be corrupted by narrative unless there is something in the you know on incorruptible earth that allows it so now that i think we've said like now bitcoin exists and so now there's this category of those things that is verifiable and maybe you know it just changes the game so i, I do think that's really interesting um my, my week was interesting because we had this episode last week the COVID episode the COVID episode and um you know my wife had some company over and they were all like her um very liberal guidance counselor friends who are very good people um people I like very much and you know they're but they're also like public educators and super into public education and yeah so they're in that um, world. I can make a lot of assumptions about them just based on that description. Yeah, my, my folks were in the education world, and there's kind of a, and I've, a yeah, certain I've been, mindset in that world. Uh, my, I've grown up in it. You know, my mom was a teacher, public school teacher. They believe in this narrative of public school education. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, you know, now like I've known these people a very long time, been through a lot, and you know, lately in the last year and a half, two years, I'm like, you know, I do my little probing. Right, I have my little, my little uh, pipette that goes in and tests to see are these guys changing? Like I know I've cha- I've changed a lot. I've gone like 180 on a lot of my views. I'm like, have these guys even gone a, a degree, two degrees, three degrees? Right. So you know, the things like that they'll complain about in the public school space. It's funny. There was one story that I thought was hilarious, which is like. They work for um, they work for magnet schools in Philly, which are like the schools you have to take tests to get into, right? And these are like the best. These are the best public schools in Philly, and they do you know they, they do great work, largely. There's but, a um, long line of people waiting to get into them. Well, so this whole thing. So so now now you guys know my history as a woke supremacist. 
um, these guys definitely know me as like a ally and champion of racial justice and all this stuff. And the big conversation they had was that there was this person who was, um, um, I'm like, it's like the number one school in Philly. Um, and this person was admitted because they had like a blackish kind of name and they found out he wasn't black and all hell broke loose when she, they arrived and found out they were white. And I said, how fucking stupid is this conversation? Right. Yeah, like, their, their problem with this person was their skin color. That's the so like, uh, it, what what can I say, dude? I wasn't prepared to really get into this, but like, how fucking absurd has the world become, really? Right. And so, this is I only bring this up as my way of poking and figuring out if anyone is even if if there's any growth, right? Mm-hmm. If there's any like, and yeah, so I, right. I I have similar questions that I probe people with, but yeah. Tell what what was the so what, that's nor, that's business as usual, no growth whatsoever. Fine, you know what I mean. And so as the day goes on, at some point in time our favorite subject came up, you know, with uh, the whole COVID thing. I think it was like, I don't even, you know, it's hard not to, for, you know, they, they talk but about... The news the is rep- talking about it. The, the press secretary of the White but House they weren't talking saying- about it for that reason. They were talking about, like, the elections and the oh, Republican okay. candidates, and they were talking about, like, oh, I think I'm going to have to go campaign for Biden because I can't imagine allowing any of these people to... So that's when I started to, like, my brain started to scramble. And I had... And I was like, what the hell? How, how is that possible? Right. And, you know, my, I guess my thing about my, my go to here, and it's actually, this is my general statement, you know? Um, you know, why did I, why do I think this administration is like the worst ever? Right. Or at least like, especially in relation to this question I get back, like, well, would you rather have like Trump, you know, and we've discussed Trump derangement syndrome and how I definitely had it for a long time. But like the reality is when Donald Trump was in office for four years, all we did was talk about what might happen. Yeah. Okay. While he didn't start new wars. Well, I mean like the authoritarianism from a thought, like, like from an authoritarianism and a, rolling out the red carpet for like a new Holocaust, like that type of thing. Like Mm. we were all worried like, Oh my God, look at what's going to happen. You know, we were all, especially people who were consumed like myself consumed by left-wing media. Right. It was one thing after the next, that was nothing more than a signal of the changing world order here. Right. And the reality is it never happened. And the other reality is that when, you know, Joe Biden's administration was basically the most totalitarian, you know, and it's with the most totalitarian thing I've seen in my lifetime. And it was with regard to the vaccine mandates um, and that they had to be sued to not, you know, they, they tried to roll these mandates out and that, you know, and it's not only that, like if that, what does it fly in the face of? It flies in the face of a very basic human set of human rights that we wrote yeah, after like the after the, the Holocaust, Nuremberg called, called the Nuremberg yeah. Code. Jesus. That people do the number one tenet there is that people are free to decline to participate yeah. in people public deserve to health be experiments. informed what you're doing to them. That's it. Like and so Nuremberg like these, 101. All these people that had this idea that oh, you know, Trump is Hitler and like the next Hitler and rolling this all out was it was all conjecture. As we voted in the next Hitler. It was right as Basically, we voted in somebody who really implemented a serious, who took some serious totalitarian control. Yeah. 
Right. The, Bi- the Biden administration is politically going after their lead political rival. Did you hear the date that they just set for Trump's Trump's uh, next uh, court appearance? It's the day before Super Tuesday. The most important the most important day in the calendar like in the four years of calendar for for president is the day before Super Tuesday. And that's the day just coincidentally they're going to pull him out of campaigning so he has to appear in court. There's I don't like I'm, People, could, I mean, they're like, my, so it's you're disgusting. talking about you, you, you pipette your, your friends to like find out like how they made any changes. So my, my version of that is I will, so like Fetterman, Fetterman was shocking to like a shocking candidate to me when he was running. And now that he's elected, I mean, now that he's, he is, he is representing both of us, but it, on the, on Did the, you ever the, see the videos of him actually fucking leading I met him. the I've committees? Met, I, I met him years ago back when he was the uh, lieutenant governor of pennsylvania for tom wolf like tom wolf yeah. hated him so tom wolf was like all right fetterman get the fuck out of here i'm gonna send you all around you're gonna go to every town ta- every not township every county in the state and have a town hall in every one so one for every in the state you're gonna go have a town hall have people come in and we're gonna you're gonna discuss with them um if they want to have weed be legalized in the state it's like and he he lumped this this was during the discussion like okay well how is pennsylvania going to handle the, the legalization of marijuana and his response was like, well, I'm going to get rid of my lieutenant governor for like a year and a half and just have him go around the state and do all of these town halls, which is just a nothing task because he didn't need to do that. He just wanted to get rid of Fetterman. And in that, when he, when he came here to our county, I went to the, I went to the meeting. It's like I, I cut out of work and went there. I got there like a, like an hour and a half early, and I was I barely was able to fit in the room. There were so many people trying to get in there. And it's like I got in there and then like waited an hour and a half for the thing to start. And there were people trying to get in, like pounding on the doors, trying to get in. The police were holding them outside. There was so much, so many people that wanted to get in there. But so he was there. He was a normal a normal ish person. I mean, he was a politician. He looked looks kind of intimidating. He's a big Frankenstein looking dude. But his he wasn't like lacking mentally he talked normally he talked like a normal person his family was there he seemed like a he seemed just like a person and now yeah. like after the str- like he is not even like remotely the same mental person that that i met and i mean looking like well anyway so <laughs> all he was saying so i use fetterman know, as as my pipette to when it whenever your pipette yeah like so, I, so, so, what do you think of fetterman now oh i think it is if, if somebody still is like trying to find ways to validate oh well you know it's we we have to have compassion for people that are indifferently that are differently abled it's like yeah but this true. is not somebody who should be leading the we nation don't have to give them all the power in the world though, yes right it's so it's one like, thing to respect to that, g- yeah. basically to give a bunch of puppet masters power by proxy, yeah. and the last—I mean, it's funny. This is a this is already a tangent and a tag. This Fetterman thing, and and this isn't directed at Fetterman. I was asking this question during COVID. This is a question I'm going to basically throw to you. It's going to trigger a lot of people, um, and probably get me in trouble. Trigger it. Let's but, go. Okay. Um, do you think it's? I think that it is not a coincidence that. They basically prior to this COVID thing, right, and prior to the fact that we would have politicians with like dementia, right, and all this like people with their mental facilities um, impaired and in uh, positions of major power, right. I think it's not a coincidence. <laughs> bear, bear with me, guys. Not a coincidence that they spent the last you know five years going out of their way to ban the word retard. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you, yeah, it's a mean word, right? But it's also a very descriptive word, unfortunately. 
and it's not a word you should call somebody to let them like that's a dickish. But I do think there's nothing wrong with calling a politician who I, I just don't think it's wrong. Anything wrong with calling it out? I don't think it's necessary. But so what? It's fucking speech, dude. Speech isn't about what's necessary. It's about what a person feels like is the best way to describe their point. You know, and if like it really just like if you just look at it objectively, removing that like not enabling somebody to use that word makes makes it take a lot longer to point out. This is the be- I guess the beauty of that word. Not maybe that's the thing that's going to get me in trouble. It's calling that word. No, the thing so is, it's a very direct. It? It's a very direct line to make the point. Even though yes, it has collateral damage potentially. But it's a very direct line to make that point. And if I am the person in charge, I probably I can do I can make a lot of progress by removing that word. Yeah, I mean it's it's opening the door of like are are the air are the molecules in the air being vibrated between your mouth and my ears? Is that something that I can lock somebody up over? It's like it comes down to authoritarianism. It's like I, I, you are free to choose how you react to things. You are not free to choose how other people react to things. And like the word retard, it's it's a powerful word. I, and it's not. You're right. I do definitely feel that there is a push in society to. I don't. I don't know about banning it, but it's it's like like the N word. Like they're trying to say, oh, it's the that's R, right. They want to the make hard, it R, the hard R. They put oh, it the on equivalent. N. Yeah. And I don't know how many times my kids have said to me, "You can't say that." Yeah, like, and, it was in you know, the like, office. Like the office wasn't made that long ago, and Michael Scott in the office makes jokes about. I mean, the the purpose of the joke is to talk about the people's reaction to the word retard. Um, I mean, he's like Michael Scott. He, the, the quote is, he's like, I would never call a retarded person retard. I would call my friends <laughs> retarded when they're. I would call my friends retards when they're acting retarded. And it's like it retard is a kind that can be used yeah. as a term of endearment. I mean, it's like the N word is a like a term of endearment for some people, but it's some people can't use it. Other people can. It's, it's a dangerous thing to vilify speech like that, even as much as exactly because that exactly. And then, you know, you're, you're giving, you're giving speech more power probably than you should. The fact that you're, I'm willing to say the N word right now, like I'm, I'm sitting here mentally, like, am I willing to like, I don't have anybody who can really cancel me at this point, but am I willing to, to say the N word here on the podcast? I was like, it's still like, no, I'm still coming down on the side of, no, I'm not going to do that because that's going to cause too many fires that I don't want to have to put out. It's easier just to not go into that camp. But I mean, look, the, but qu- that's the real kind of question, a I'm a wimp. I understand. But I guess, I, you know, I've thought a lot about this, dude. I, I'm like, because I really, yes, I'm a free speech maximalist. And I know that's a fucking cliche thing to say you are. But like, dude, the reality is I have no reason, honestly, to say the uh, people's opinions, right? How people react to what I say um, does matter, right? Mm-hmm. And usually, I'm picking a. Look, when you are when you are speaking, you are choosing a word very carefully to have the optimal reaction, to have the best communication of your point, right? And the N word, I can't say, has ever come up in a way where it would more. We're saying it would more accurately describe what I'm feeling. And that I had to, like, whereas, whereas, right, when it comes to, I'm just saying, like, I don't think I've ever felt a need um, as an adult, <laughs> we'll just say, to, to, to marginally more accurately make my point, right? It, it, that's, but whereas, I think that when the, you know, people who are in fucking control over us, 
right? And literally ruining the fucking world. Yeah. I th- it's important. That's actually important to discriminate on intelligence. Descriptor, descripting of words are important. Like, you can't vilify descriptive words because you don't like the connotations yeah. of them. Like, like, like the word Nazi has largely become meaningless in the modern world because if you like for a, a percentage for a portion of the population, if you don't like somebody, they're a Nazi. And like for a while, it's like, OK, well, that's it's easy. And like the word Nazi has lost so much of its meaning that it's just, OK, well, Nazis have become the go to like enemy in video games. Oh, you can shoot Nazis and you don't have to think about it. It's like, oh, you can like all, all of these things like, oh, we'll, we'll just make we're making a movie like Jojo Rabbit. It's like we'll, we'll make a, a movie about like the how how just crazy and foolish these people were living in a different dimension. It's like, it's really... I think that was part of the PSYOP to then defang the Nuremberg Code. Maybe that was like a, actually a PSYOP. I think do- absolutely what's been done with like, not, like the word Nazis and Aryans, absolutely these have been PSYOPs. Like these, to, to like, to say, like the, the idea of like um, that one group is... How, how do I, I... I lost my train of thought. I got the, it though. I mean, I'll basically say this part of the psyop. I'll just know as the you know. So as the resident former woke supremacist, like basically, I'd always argued with other wokies that like I used to think that white supremacists were irrelevant. That it was the entirety of the rest of this is going to make me sound like a dick, right? But it was like the entirety of it was the compliance of everybody else, and it was like. They almost the psyop was that there are a group of people with shaved heads that are hateful, and it's like as long as you're not one of those people, you're all good, right? Yeah. And it's like that's what they've done with Nazis. You know, it's like well, as long as I'm not one of those guys goose stepping, you know, then like I'm good. But it's really the the Holocaust. The story of the Holocaust was a story of compliance amongst everybody else. Right. You know. And that's exactly what the story of COVID was. And that's the story of Twitter blue check. And it's the story of every basically centralized power grab, right? It's that, 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 and that's essentially what it comes down to. And, um, you know, that speech is just another way, right? It's just another way to grab power. Yeah. Um, so, so let me roll this back. And I'm sorry, right? Because this was all an interlude <laughs> to discuss that I was having a conversation with my wife's guidance counselor friends and the idea of campaigning for Joe Biden came up. And that's all I, campaigning for Joe Biden is so, so that's like comically remote from yeah. my brain. Like, I get the meaning for him. I get being a Democrat, kind of, right? I kind of get that, right? Historically I that. speaking, I get it. I don't really understand it modern. But, like, but. it's like, this is like, these are the people, these are the same people that spent the entirety of the last six years saying, How do you not know that Donald Trump is a fake? How are you still supporting him? It's like, yeah, he's, talking I understand about he's a fake. Yeah, it's people, yeah. people don't understand what people like about Trump. So, in this moment, I had our whole show loaded in my head because we had just done it, right? And I basically just popped off uh, in a way that I'd never really had. And What'd you tell it him? got kind of ugly. So we, I said, how in the fucking world does a smart human being <laughs> even like say, I'm going to go campaign for Joe Biden. I'm sorry, I'm not political. 
but like how do you really reconcile that um you know it's funny because uh, the this particular person i love these people i really do and we went on a camping trip this saturday it was it happened to be the saturday after the election that trump was elected and we went into central pennsylvania which was like i had deemed enemy territory at the time right beautiful appellations and we went out for pizza that night, and I was like, you guys got to shut the fuck up. Just, like, don't say, stop, talk, don't talk. Like, you're, you're going to get us, like, killed, okay? <laughs> and, um, you know, so we, like, went, you know, we've, like, you know, we've been through a lot historically on the political front. And I just basically said, how does an intelligent person, like, how is it possible? You guys are intelligent people, right? So, anyway, this s- triggered a whole conversation about, like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Wait, you'd rather have Trump? And I'm like, yeah, at this point, fuck I would yeah. rather have a, a, almost anybody than, than Biden, another term of Biden. But it's like, ultimately, it's like, as a Bitcoiner, it's like, it really doesn't matter. It's like, I want the person who's going to be the most hands-off, and that's probably Trump. But I'd rather have my dad's dick be president yeah. than continue with this regime, Okay. And so it got into, you know, why? And then I start talking about COVID because that was loaded in my head. And that's my go-to as I just established. That's like of authoritarianism, totalitarianism. And I actually for a second believed I would actually land this point about how this regime has was the totalitarian, mm-hmm. whereas the last one was just conjecture, right? I failed to land the point and it got into... My brother's a doctor in New York. Are you saying he was not is not helping? And I'm like, no, he's fucking not. And you know, <laughs> like, you know. And then I just had I, again. I had this whole. Th- it got pretty heated, and then literally it stopped the moment I got an alert on my phone that my episode with high hash rate well, dropped, and I was like, see you guys. <laughs> done talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, you know, it was okay. The plan got landed. We all ended up in hugs. And, you know, all I can say is I think people are starting to get used to the fact that I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have fucking views. I'm going to say them. And regardless of what, like, our history is and how you, what you think you know about me, I, you guys may not be growing, but I am, and I'm going to let you guys know that, you know, just gonna let I'm gonna let you know. Yeah, no, it's you're you're doing you were doing there in that personal in your personal experience like what we do with this podcast. I mean, we are moving the social needle on where the acceptable conversation is. So I feel like a lot of the things that people just just accepted during the last the last COVID was that because a lot of people didn't weren't out there thinking about alternative voices. And it's, it's there's been I, I'm really optimistic that a significant percentage of the population is not going to comply. Like the, the amount of like, quote unquote, waking up that the pop, that the American population has done because of the last couple years of what we've lived through. I'm optimistic. Like we've, we we're winning. It's like, we're not, the, the war is not over yet, but I mean, as evidence, as your evidence, as I'm evidence, like us, us, both of us are evidence that the needle is moving and rationality is, is returning on a small degree. I mean, having being willing to challenge your neighbors and your family to, to let them know, hey, I don't necessarily think like you anymore, that is a step on every Bitcoiner's journey. Like there was a moment whenever on, on my path, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't about COVID, it's gonna be about something different for everybody, but as people become Bitcoiners, inevitably 
they're going to, something about them is going to change and you're going to have that moment of like okay well am i going to stand for my i mean this is what I, it's that story i told at the end of last week's podcast it's like if you're right what are you willing to do about about it like are you willing to stand up to the world that you're right or are you going to right. fold and let the world say like this, tell you that you're wrong and i'll so i'll just leave you guys though the the story did end in one resolution it ended in one source of agreement which is Basically, me saying, you know, guys, the truth is not knowable. And that's where everybody agreed. I'm like, the truth is not knowable. And to a Bitcoiner, it's like, of course, except for basically, except for the truth about Bitcoin. Like, there is no truth that's knowable, right? I mean, there's your own personal truth that you know. But, it's, but truth, yeah, that's, that's a subjective truth. It's very comforting about, to know that there is empirical truth in the world. The truth about what happens. So, like, you know, this... Um, this woman again love these people totally want them to come back and continue discussion but was very emotional about her brother being a doctor in new york and i said listen my sister is a doctor um you know my parent my dad was uh diagnosed with covid um you know we had a big discussion about whether or not she would prescribe ivermectin because you know she knows ivermectin is helpful mm-hmm. right and we had a big dis- i had a big discussion with my sister about this and it kind of ended up like basically she's like i couldn't do it like what would the medical board say if they saw that i prescribed it to my own parents right in such a conflict of interest or like that she operates in very strong fear of having her medical license removed Man, right this is all like so, downstream our culture believes so, that these titles are so important oh, he's a doctor like oh so, he, he went to yeah, school he's immune to this psychology well but, here's the punchline so my, one of the other guests right who also i hold in high regard right when the second i mentioned ivermectin she goes wait you mean the horse paste and i said is this wait a second yeah you mean the the, still... the medicine that won the nobel prize in 2015 like, oh that horse paste. wait a second i thought we were actually i'm sorry dude i'm sorry i had no idea we were still in fucking 2021 i had no idea we were still that psyop yeah i thought the fda like a couple months back changed their stance on ivermectin and they're they're once again being like hey any doctor that wants to prescribe this for anything they can we're not we're not putting a like they like they have shot themselves in the foot by the fact that them them entering the the uh the diagnostic ward of the world and telling doctors what they are, like how doctors are and are not able to react to what's going on in their own practices. It's like, you can't unring that bell. And now just because, Oh no, it, Oh yes, we, we're going to step back. And it's, it's so oh, yeah, you can use ivermectin again. And they're like, no, no worries there. It's like, it's too late. Like I'm not, like, you can't bring my faith in these, these people back. Like just because, so, like so you're, you're, you're like the doctor who's willing to do that and like willing to publicly state that I am more worried about what my peer group will think about me than the health of my patient. She didn't publicly state that. She this is my sister who privately stated that to me. Right? She's right. not publicly. You know what no, I mean? No, like not public, not, but he's like like I don't even, even mentally. Could, like I don't for, know if she could even tell a peer this stuff. Right? But like, you know, she clearly. Uh, got to a point where at least as you know in her own like medical opinion it was going to be good but like she would have she because she really wanted to give it to her patients right to help them but she would 
but she was worried she, about yeah the social conti- the, the social well, pushback. Th- this is what you people need to understand. I don't know how much people understand that this is when uh, people get upset when I talk about doctors being worthless and iatrogenia. And I even thought about it when I talked about it at the beginning of this show about you going to the hospital being in an imminent danger. But like, you guys got to understand that um, they're captured. Yes. Okay. Even the good ones who know what's going on are captured. And this is the compliance of the night. You know, it's again, it's not about the Nazis or the white supremacists. It's about the 90% of the rest of the population that went along with it because they were afraid of the consequences. Yeah. I think the main, the a large difference between the left and the right is it seems that the left is willing to, to, to gain the, to, to gain everybody just gets along. They're willing to sacrifice the health of the individual. Whereas like, so, so yeah, the leftists Let's think, co- well, yeah. think from like top forced down. Collectivism. Yeah. Well, forced forced collectivism. collectivism versus the right. You're thinking about the individual, like what is best for this individual patient? It's like, all right, well, we need to do what's best for this individual. And like, to have, uh, a, to have you know, a doctor that's willing. I don't know if I'd put it. I don't know if I'd put it that way because I think that the right has a forced collectivism as well and you know so it's i don't think that this is not a left right thing though but it is an individual versus collectivist thing and i think it is a sovereign individual versus a marxist type of thing right um i don't know this doesn't go down political lines right republican doctors were i mean i don't my sister is not a left is not a left-wing liberal by any stretch of the imagination well, I mean, it's like, um, in my by brain, any so stretch, just, for just the so ass- it's FYI, like it's not like I, it's, but the power of like what it means to be um, to have a medical license, fucking transcends any personal view you have. Okay. Yeah, the- yeah. that's what we've been. Yeah, like I have a. I don't know. It's like I think just to exist in the in the modern medical culture. I mean, it's sure she may like what we call left-wing and right-wing. I'm referring more to, like, the actual spectrum behind it, not, like, the labels that we, oh, this is, the, like, the quote-unquote Democratic Party and the quote-unquote Republican Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, I all, just to exist in... The, the modern society is so captured by communism. Just to exist in the system, you have to be friendly to communistic intentions and thoughts. So, Which I mean, happens to be, by the way, which the credentialing process happens to be a complete creation of... The pharmaceutical industry and the a complete creation of what was the former oil industry, and this is a whole nother rabbit hole that I would love to talk about. But go look up the Flexner Report, nineteen twenty one. Um, you know, it, this industry is an invention of essentially repurposed petrochemicals, mm. which became the pharmaceutical industry defined exactly who can get a license exactly what medical school curriculums are valid and which ones aren't and so anybody practicing as a doctor today anybody who's gotten their medical degree has been trained by the pharmaceutical industry a in medical school and b by sales reps constantly and by incentives every so i mean pretty much every doctor was captured and covid was a kind of a slight unpeeling of you know there were several doctors that did lose their license and those are the ones that i'm interested in frankly and yeah, i'm not no, me too. honestly you know a i always doctor. said before covid i was before covid i had always actually said i would be much more interested in a doctor who lost his license than one that 
goes along with the system because yeah, even prior Adams, to COVID, like we, we, this isn't anything new. Like the the meme of somebody who is willing to buck the systemic trends is the actual signal. I mean, that's that's we've that's yeah, that's the story of Patch Adams. Yeah. It's all you just go to like statins. You go to um, the way they recommend people deal with obesity. The way birth, birth that control, yeah, everything every, they do. Everybody needs a flu shot every wrong. year. Yes, everything they do is fucking 180 degrees wrong, and basically causes more issues than it does. Now, are they like Malthusians and want to kill everybody? No. Probably not. But it's like That's the yeah, saddest no. part above it. It's like it's you could be a good person thinking you're doing you're doing good in the world. You're like you're you're bringing harmony into the world, but because you're existing in this fiat system. It's, I mean, you're, you're downstream of vampires. You're downstream of people who are stealing energy and from, from everyone around them. By design. And it's true it's by, by design. design. Yes. I doubt many doctors understand how captured they are by, um, by the, A, the pharmaceutical industry, and B, how just how deeply ingrained, how it goes back to the survivorship of their medical school and what, you know, what their medical school is required in their when curriculum. Think, when I think about how the world's going to change post post state post hyper bitcoinization or w- whatever the hell that that state is like there is ind- like doctors are going to survive. Like we're always going to need doctors. The the good ones are going to rise to the top and they're going to do great. And the bad ones are going to they're they're I mean they're going to have to stop being rent seekers. They're going to have to f- figure out some way to provide value in the world. And uh, but there's like I look around just in like around our town and all all of the jobs that are in our town like how many of these jobs are actually needed and how many of these people are rent seeking. It's like the uh, we exist like it's central Pennsylvania. I mean, is the it's the state capital. So the, like there's a lot of jobs around here, um, military related jobs, all all of these different things that are downstream of federal money, and it's like it everybody's going to be touched by it. So well, something I've thought about a lot is doctor. In the, you know, vocational term, not in the, you know, licensure, rent-seeking term. But there is a vocation doctor, as you're saying. Sure. Always has been, right? Always has been back to Hippocrates, right? Uh, And before that, right? Always, there have always been doctors. And uh, it is one of the few professions that actually allows someone to live wherever they want. There's going to be a lot less lawyers, Something to think about. It's just something to think about. Like, I think doctors have the potential to be sovereign individuals if they break off of their centralized, if they basically break off of the teeth that they're centralized, you know, that they're centralized, they're hooked up to, right? They need to decentralize, okay? And I mean, it's like 99% of medicine is centralized, right? It's absurd and horrible. And that's just that, that side of the pendulum is just going to be have horrible results. You're better off literally doing the opposite and taking your chances. Yeah, people aren't going to like that. But how like, much of the medical industry will disappear as well? I mean, like the the idea of my how much of it is centralized? Ninety nine percent. I think a, that probably ninety nine percent. Ninety nine percent of it disappears. It's almost like like look, we talk about universities and how like ten percent of them are actually professors and ninety percent of the people are administrators, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's probably ninety nine percent of the medical industry is administrators. Almost all of them go away. So circling Almost. back the conversation back to where like what what types of things where do I see my son going? It's like my son's going to learn to shoot. He's going to learn to weld. It's like so 
a basic understanding. I mean, not beyond basic, just an understanding of first aid triage stuff is like something that every every Bitcoiner should know. Like, and if you know that kind of stuff, your need for doctoring is going to decrease somewhat. Like. Triage, like trauma, we're gonna need trauma. We're we're gonna need trauma surgeons. Like, there's going to be catastrophic things that people need to be fixed. But the number, like, going in for a physical, like going going to a doctor, a human doctor, to get an eye exam, to get a prescription for your glasses, like that is such a fiat thing. There there is no human needed in that. In like your phone, your smartphone should be able to spit out a glasses prescription for you. Like that technology exists, but oh, we need we we have this industry captured, and you know eye doctors. We need to keep making ophthalmologists. It's like it, like that. There is so much room for for efficiencies in in that area. But yeah, um, so, historic. I think historically you need a doctor. You know, you do need a doctor if you're sick, right? For some things, yeah. But, I, I th- but what what's happened in the last hundred years, right, is that. Um, the idea of wellness, right? They try to capture this idea of wellness, and they we give can you sell a blood you te- wellness. They give you a blood test, and you know it's like, oh, yeah. And the thing is, they know jack shit. They actually know jack shit about wellness, and it really, the the reality is, it's the whole fiat system that's destroyed our wellness, right? We all know, we talk about all the food and science, and all the shit that it's done, the misery industry that it's created. So. When Bitcoin fixes that, right? I love that it's already fixing it. Ha- like Bitcoin is fixing that for happen. us already. Like seed oil, yeah. like all these things that the we weren't aware of, Bitcoin is bubbling that up the top for the plebs. Beautiful. So when Bitcoin fixes that, then you will have real doctors that focus on treating people that are sick because they these will be people who have done the work, who have studied biology, who maybe understand that... Um, they don't know what they're doing. Is that him? No, that's my daughter. She's yeah, okay. she's calling. Yeah, she's calling for me right now. Um, she's like she's time check. She's like, you guys have been going over an hour. All right. She's like, I am um, ready to play. I'm out here ready to play, Dad. Just letting you know. So, the uh, Bitcoin will fix the wellness issue, and then you'll have doctors that know they don't know. They just study because they don't know. They don't know how to treat people who are sick and they just need to know as much as they can and that's kind of how what we'll go back to i'd like to think and um this goes back to yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna hijack you now for a second right for one more thing that i got obsessed with last week which was the connection between the song harry hood and your boy harry and uh the song harry hood has three lyrics okay first lyric is uh harry where do you go when the lights go out Maybe it implies that we don't quite... Harry's kind of lost, Mm. okay? Second lyric, several minutes later, is just, thank you, Mr. Minor. Which I would say, I think Harry has grown up with Bitcoin and has has helped find himself. And he's very appreciative of that source of knowledge, the tree of knowledge... Um, and the last lyric says, you could feel good about hood. And actually the song Harry hood by fish was just a joke because they, their apartment in Burlington, Vermont was across the street from a hood milk. There was a company called hood milk up in the Northeast. And it was a giant, actually the building was a giant milk bottle (laughs) (laughs) and they had commercial. The commercial was, you could feel good about hood. 
Now, in 1986, when the song was created, that was a fucking lie. Right, you could the fact that you could feel good about that mill. I mean, maybe it wasn't a lie. Maybe we hadn't totally, uh, maybe we hadn't totally perverted the um, the milk. So, but we were pasteurizing it, so it probably was a lie, right? Yeah, there were but, probably some seed oils in there. But Bitcoin, let's remember. Thank you, Mister Miner. Guess what? Bitcoin fixed milk, and now you can feel good about Hood. And this is the story of Harry Hood. That's and beautiful. You know, so yeah, welcome. so, so Har- Harry was uh, he, he was uh, communicating out through the ether, out, out through fish. That it's like, th- thank you, Dad, for for doing the work to give me better nutrition so that I can grow up better. Yeah, right now it's just like, thank you for having me be born to born to a Bitcoin with high integrity. You, know, you got me in and out of the hospital in an hour because they knew not to fuck with you. And also, you know, I live in Central Pennsylvania where. I can legal. I can actually, without even breaking the law, which is big for integrity, right? I can actually get milk. Thank you for fixing milk. Thank you, Bitcoin, for for fixing milk. And I can get it actually from family.